Right. So now let's talk about demand. Yes, let's talk about demand. You want to be talking about the theory of demand. We want to be talking about what demand is, uh, the factors that actually affect demand. Then we also want to be talking about uh, elasticity of demand. And then from there, we are also going to be talking about uh, uh, the theories that explain demand. There are actually basically two theories that we're going to be, to, to be talking about, which explain uh, the behavior of the way demand is uh, behaves the way it behaves. Okay. Yes. So the theories are the the, the theory of um, diminishing marginal utility as well as uh, the indifference cave analysis. Those are the two main theories that explain the behavior or the reason why demand is down sloping. Okay. Yes. That's exactly what we want to be talking about. Now, for starters, we need to explain what demand is. Demand when when somebody talks about demand, demand for good X, for example, demand for good X. He or she is talking about the willingness, the willingness to have a commodity, the willingness to buy, the willingness to have, the willingness to consume a commodity. That's exactly what we talk about. So when we talk about that uh, willingness, obviously there are so many factors that actually affect somebody's willingness to have a commodity. Yes. Why do you demand good eggs? Why do you demand bread? Why do you demand bananas? Why do you demand uh, a Mercedes-Benz? Why do you demand, uh, think about anything, television set, a television set. Why do you demand, uh, uh, just think about anything, petrol, for example. So there are so many things that explain demand. Remember, when you talk about demand, you are talking about the willingness to have a good, a product, a service, a commodity. Yes, that is what you talk about, demand. But in economics, we don't just talk about demand in isolation. We talk about effective demand. That's the most important thing. So when an economist is, is going to be talking about demand for anything, either for a good or a service, he or she is talking about effective demand. When you talk about effective demand, you are talking about the willingness that is accompanied by the ability to have a commodity. Okay? Yes. We talk about the willingness plus ability to have a commodity. Yes, that's exactly what an economist will be talking about. So the economy, the demand that we always refer to in economics is effective demand, not just demand. So just talking about the willingness to have a commodity or service is not enough. You should be talking about the willingness and the ability to have a commodity. That's that is enough, right? So for I can give you a, a good example, right? Imagine the case where um, a, a, you know somebody was just a, just a poor old guy. Okay, so I'm talking about poor. In literally saying to I mean, implying that the person doesn't have money right so you're just shopping around and you don't have any income okay so you could have if we could have a lot of people were just shopping around but they don't have income they don't have the ability that backs their demand their willingness then that's not demand so when somebody's going to, uh for example if you want to be uh selling your commodities obviously you're going to be targeting targeting a group of people who have the ability who are willing to have a commodity but also have the ability to have a commodity you understand so we talk about the willingness plus ability that must be emphasized so that is what you call about uh, that was that that is what you refer to as uh demand which is effective demand the willingness and the ability to have a commodity or a service or a product at any particular point in time that is what you call demand which is called effective demand now the law or the principle of demand states that um, there is a negative relationship that exists between price and quantity demanded okay there is a negative relationship between price and quantity demanded holding all other things constant holding all other things constant that is a very very important assumption in economics in microeconomics yes when we are going to be holding all other things constant in other words 
when if all other factors that affect demand are held constant right when they remain the same then we are saying as long as there is a higher price then the quantity demanded for any particular commodity or good or product is going to be low so there is an inverse a relationship that exists exists between price and quantity demanded holding other things constant or we say ceteris peribus or we say uh, other things being equal that's a very very important assumption yes so we have to analyze the effect of price on quantity demanded when all the other factors of demand are going to be held constant that is what you talk about so there is an invest the law of demand or the principle of demand or the theory of demand states that there is an inverse relationship that exists between price and quantity demanded holding other things constant in other words we are saying if price of a commodity rises then its quantity demanded should fall and vice versa it means i mean that makes sense yes it makes sense to say when if, if the price of a commodity is low then obviously we expect quantity demanded for that commodity to be to, to be high and vice versa holding other things constant you are going to understand the reason why we have to always make sure that we qualify that statement with that assumption the assumption uh, the ceteris peribus assumption okay right explaining further explaining further the theory of demand where we say that the theory of demand states that uh, there is an inverse relationship that exists between price and quantity demanded right so uh, imagine a case where for example uh, we don't we don't qualify the statement with the assumption the ceteris peribus assumption where for example we're going to say um when the price of a commodity let's say the commodity that i'm talking about in this case is petrol okay petrol right so when when the price of gas which is the price of petrol rises we expect demand the demand for petrol to go down is that true it might not be true why because for example if the price of petrol rises probably by five percent but the incomes of consumers right the king incomes of car owners rises by more than five percent it means even if the price of petrol rises still they are still going to be willing to demand more of petrol because uh, i mean their purchasing power their incomes would have risen so unless we hold the incomes because income does affect uh, demand it does affect consumption it does affect your consumption patterns your spending behavior so if we don't hold if you don't hold your income constant right then we are not going to be to find uh, that relationship between price and quantity demanded for petrol holding the one that we've alluded to when you said when prices of petrol goes up uh, right we expect demand for petrol to go down that is not going to be to be true but it can only be true if we say okay at the same income levels for example at the same income levels right for example if you if you are the consumer Right, that we're going to be talking about in this case for example if uh the consumer was having an income of 100 dollars right then the petrol all of a sudden rises from uh, probably a dollar per liter to two dollars per liter so it means uh, uh the pacing power of the consumer would have gone down so it means the consumer is now going to be willing to buy less of uh, of petrol right unless his or his income rises by uh, more than 100 percent probably then we are not going to see that happening so it's very very important every time we explain the theory of demand to qualify our statement by the assumption that we are going to be holding all the other things constant i can give you another example right for example think of, think, think of a case where 
the preferences, for example, right, the preference for a certain commodity um, goes against it, right, goes against it. So what that means then, for example, is that if the price of a certain commodity goes down, right, if the price for a certain commodity goes down, think about it, a case where the price, where uh, I'm talking about demand for, let's talk about demand for bread this time around, right, all of a sudden, right, you've decided that, uh, come on, we don't want to be having bread as our um, a breakfast or whatever. So, the mom, because you are no longer uh, having the preference for bread, you are now having preference for other commodities which are not bread. It means even if the price of bread uh, uh, goes down, you are not going to be willing to demand more of bread because you are no longer having the appetite to have bread. You want to substitute, you want to be using, you want to be having something else, else in place of bread. You understand? So, that on its own would mean that the law of demand which says that uh, um, there is an inverse relationship between price and demanded will not be holding. So it's very, very important for us to always mention uh, the qualifying statement which says that um, if all other things are held constant, then the, the higher the price of a commodity, the lower the quantity demanded. So that's exactly what we are talking about. That's the law of demand. Right, now we understand the law of demand. So the law of demand says that uh, the higher the price of a commodity, the lower the, the quantity demanded, okay? The higher the price, the lower the quantity demanded. So it means now we are now in a position to be able to draw the graph that illustrates or that shows the relationship between price and quantity demanded, right? So since we are saying uh, at higher prices, low of a commodity is going to be demanded, it means uh, if we are going to be putting our prices at the price of a commodity X, okay, in this case probably you can talk about the price of a commodity X, which is bread, right? So on the vertical axis, which is the Y axis, we are going to be writing the price of good X, okay? Then on the horizontal axis, which is your X axis, we are going to be having the quantity demanded for a particular good, which is the quantity demanded for good X. That's what I'm going to write. So it means the demand curve is now going to be downward sloping. It's going to be downward sloping. It slopes um, uh, from, uh, from left to write and it's going to be downward sloping yes you can write a you can draw a, a demand curve which is a straight line right a slow is a, a yes a, 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 a straight line uh demand curve alternatively you can even draw a demand curve that is a convex to the origin that is convex to the origin yes but it's always going to be downward sloping that's a normal demand curve that's a normal demand curve. That's a that's a normal demand curve. So um, what that means is that at very 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 high prices, very very little if commodity is going to be demanded. But now, if you reduce the prices to very very low levels, then you are also going to be having um, an increase in the quantity demanded for that commodity, holding all the things constant. So that's our demand curve. So the demand curve is always going to be downwards sloping. It's almost going to be down or sloping. That must be understood, right? So what then that means is that uh, if we change the price of a commodity, right? If we change the price of a commodity, right? Then we are likely to have a change in quantity demanded. I want you to mark my words. We are going to be having a change in quantity demanded. In other words, we are going to be moving along the demand curve, right? For example, if we reduce the price, then it is the quantity demanded. Mark my words. I'm talking about quantity demanded here. It is the quantity demanded that's going to, to change. 
the demand is going to remain the same demand is going to remain the same but quantity demand is going to change why is demand going to be remain the same is because we are still on the same demand curve the re, the moment you are still on the demand curve it means the demand is not changing demand is not changing right but we got different levels of quantity demanded at different prices for the same good for the same good okay for the same good which is our good x in this case or probably which is our price for the same good right we have got different levels of quantity demanded difference of amounts of good x are demanded yes at different prices let that be understood i'm talking about quantity demanded so a change in the price of a good does not change the demand for a good why because we are still going to remain on the same demand curve but what does it do a change in the price of a good holding other things constant is going to change the quantity demanded for a particular good right so that's very very important yes that's very very important so a change in the quantity in the price of a good right like in this case the price if we change the price of good x what is going to happen what's going to happen is that we're going to move along the demand curve to imply that there is a change in the quantity demanded for that particular good holding other things constant let that be understood right so i talked about the change in quantity demanded so i said the change in quantity demanded is always caused by a change in the price of the good that is being uh, talked about right so then the question is what then affects demand what then causes demand to change right so a change in demand and a change in quantity demanded are two different things altogether a change in demand and change in the change in quantity demanded are two things they are all together they are different things altogether so a change in demand is always shown by a shift so we expect the demand curve to shift either to the right or to the left the demand curve should either shift or move outwards or inwards right so when the shift when the demand curve shifts outwards right so it means it's moving to the right so that is what is reflected or what is referred to is a change in demand right so a change in demand it means uh, at the same price at any particular price we would now different levels of goods yes of goods that are being demanded in terms of the quantities of the goods that are now being demanded right so it means uh, there are other factors that can cause demand to change remember i want you to listen carefully to what i'm saying a change in demand a change in quantity demanded is only caused by a change in the price of the good that we, that is being referred to but a change in all the other factors that affect demand which are the other factors of that affect demand these are factors like for example a change in income right number one a change in weather number two a change in preferences and tastes number three a change in the price of related commodities right a change in the price of related commodities the price of these related commodities i'm referring to prices of for substitute goods or the price of complement goods but complementary goods right yes a change in their price can actually cause a change in the demand for the other commodity let that be understood so goods can be related in terms of they can be uh they can be substitutes or they can be complements or complementary goods right substitute goods obviously these are goods that can be used for the same purpose for example i can talk about probably i can talk about the demand for for honda cars demand for toyota cars demand for mercedes-benz cars for example these are same cars they can be used 
in place of the other. I can also talk about things like uh, rice, probably rice demand for rice as well as demand for maize meal. That's in Zimbabwe. Yes, we can. Uh, they they can be used. They can be substitu substituted. Demand for pork. Demand for beef. Demand for chicken. Yes, chicken, pork, and beef. Yes, peanut butter and probably margarine. These are substitute substitute goods. So if one if the price of the other good in the, uh, changes, then the demand for the other good can also change, right? Then complementary goods. These are goods that are always in joint supply. These are goods in joint supply. Yes, I can talk about probably things like uh, petrol and cars petrol in cars or diesel in cars. Obviously, if there is an increase in the uh, price of petrol, that can affect the demand for cars and vice versa. This and vice versa. I can even talk about probably a, um, a things like a tennis ball in the racket. You can't have an increase in rackets without in some increase in what... Yes, so, so a change in the price of tennis balls can also affect the demand for rackets. So these are goods that are in joint supply, that, that are in joint demand. So these are what you call complementary goods or complements. Yes, they complement each other. Let that be understood. So I was saying uh, a change in uh, some, some other factors that, that can also affect the demand, the demand for a commodity apart from uh, those ones. We can even talk about things like population, right? We can also talk about all things that, that is to do with the demographic structure, right? Demography, right? Yes, the age, sex distribution, population dynamics, all those things, they affect demand, right? They affect demand for any particular commodity. Yes, in as much as we, talk, we talked about incomes, yes, so we talked about uh, 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 tests and preferences, yes, they have an impact on the demand. Yes, they can cause demand to either increase or demand to fall. These are what you call uh, uh, determinants of demand these are the factors that can cause demand curve to shift either outwards or inwards to the right or to the left right now that we know uh the differences between demand and, and uh, quantity demanded we also know uh, the law of demand yes now it's time for us to understand uh, a, a very very important economic concept in economics as well which is called elasticity of demand elasticity of demand now if somebody says something is elastic it means something is very very sensitive or something is very very responsive so when you talk about elasticity we are basically talking about the responsiveness of demand yes the responsiveness of demand to various things for example i can talk about the price elasticity of demand that is the responsiveness of quantity demanded to price changes to say if price change by a certain percentage how much is by how much is demand going to respond you understand so we're talking about percentage changes percentage changes yes the responsiveness of quantity the the responsiveness of demand to changes in the prices of goods yes that is what we call price elasticity of demand but we can also talk about uh, things like uh, income elasticity of demand and cross elasticity of demand Yes, when we talk about income elasticity of demand, basically we are talking about the responsiveness of demand to changes in income. Yes, to say if incomes of people, if incomes of consumers changes, how much, how much, by how much is, is demand for uh, particular commodities going to change? That is income elasticity. So that's the responsiveness, the responsiveness of uh, demand to changes in income, right? 
Then we can also talk about cross elasticity of demand. Remember, I talked about goods that are that are related. Yes, I said goods which are related. Goods can be related in terms of they can be substitutes, they can be complements or complementary goods. And uh, uh, we explained substitute goods as goods right which can be used. Yes, for the same purpose. Okay, I give an example of diesel and petrol. Probably, I also gave an example of uh, things like butter. Yes, uh, and uh, margarine. I also gave an example of pork as well as um, a beef. Yes. So cross elasticity of demand is now talking about uh, the responsiveness of demand for good X to the changes in the price of good Y. Right. So there's good X here and there's good Y here. To say if the price of a certain commodity, if the price of beef changes, how much by how much is quantity demanded for the other commodity which is related going to change? Yes, so that is cross elasticity of demand. That is cross elasticity of demand. Let that be understood. Right, so now let's talk about uh, the price elasticity of demand in detail. Right, remember I explained what it is, what PED or price elasticity of demand is. And I explained that price elasticity of demand measures the sensitivity. It measures the sensitivity or the responsiveness of quantity demanded to price changes so what is responding here it is the quantity demanded so definitely it means in terms of formula the percentage change in quantity demanded must be the numerator right and the percentage in price must be the denominator the thing that is responding in this case it is quantity demanded so it must be on the numerator right it must be the numerator right so in terms of formula the price elasticity of demand is going to be what the percentage change in price so percentage change in quantity demanded divided by the percentage change in price percentage change in quantity demanded divided by percentage change in price and the percentage change in quantity demanded is always going to be measured by the change in demand right divided by the original uh, quantity that was demanded before the price change right the percentage it is, is, is times 100 over 1 yes that is what we how do we calculate the percentage change in demand right which is a change in demand which is d0 minus d1 Okay, or D1 minus D0, whatever it is, the magnitude of that, the magnitude of that. So that's the change in demand divided by the original level of quantity that has been demanded before the change, the, the, the price change, right, times 100 over 1. So that's how we calculate the percentage change in demand. Then the percentage change in price is also going to be calculated using the same formula. Percentage change in demand is... And the percentage change in price is going to be calculated using the same formula. The percentage change in price is going to be what? The, the change in price divided by the original price level. Divided by the original price level. That's how we calculate the percentage change in price, right? Times 100 over 1. So, therefore, the PED, which is the price elasticity of demand, is going to be what? Uh, the at percentage change in price, percentage change in uh, quantity demanded divided by the percentage change in the price so uh we also need to understand that uh demand can either be elastic right can be either be elastic or inelastic right we need to understand that demand can either be in terms of elasticity demand can either be elastic or it can be inelastic right so when demand is elastic it means the percentage change in, in, in demand will be more than the percentage change in price right it means the percentage in demand will be more than the percentage change in price for example if the price rises by two percent 
then demand changes by more than 2%, then that means demand is elastic, right? Then that means demand is elastic. But if the percent change in price is going to be more than the percent change in quantity demanded, then it means demand is going to be inelastic. Let that be understood. Yes, let that be understood. So demand can only be elastic, is always going to be elastic if the, uh, uh, the coefficient of elasticity if the coefficient of elasticity is going to be more than one. In other words, if the percentage in demand is going to be more than the percentage in price, then it means the coefficient of, elastic, of elasticity is going to be more than unity or more than one. Then it's going to be inelastic if the coefficient of elasticity is going to be less than one. Then it means demand is going to be inelastic. Yes. So, uh, in terms of uh, uh, what about if the demand, uh, if if the coefficient of elasticity is going to be equal to one, it means we got what you call unitary elasticity, or demand is going to be unitary elastic. Yes, when that can only happen when the percentage change in demand is going to be equal to the percentage change in the price of the good. So we are going to be having unitary elasticity, or demand is is unitary is in is good unitary elasticity then that would mean what about if um uh the coefficient of elasticity is going to be equal to zero if it is going to be equal to zero then the what that that means is that uh, any change in price is not going to be affecting demand is not going to be affecting demand yes so it means there is zero percent change in demand then a for whatever percentage change in price, right? That is not going to be affecting demand. So in that case, it means we got zero elasticity. In other words, we would want to call perfect uh, our demand be perfectly inelastic. Be perfectly inelastic. That's exactly what it means. Yes. Right. It's also important for us to, to mention that uh, demand can also be explained in terms of uh, a relative elastic, right? A relatively inelastic, unitary elastic, uh, perfectly elastic, and perfectly inelastic. Okay. So demand is going to be perfectly elastic if just a small percentage change in, in price is going to cause a, an infinite or an undefined percentage change in quantity demand so in, the, in that case now it means we are going to be having a demand curve that's going to be horizontal right that's going to be horizontal that's perfectly elastic in other words just a small increase in the price of a good is going to cause your customers or your consumers to shift their demand away completely from that from from that good just a very small increase in the in the price of a good a small increase people are going to be moving away from 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 from, from the commodity whilst a small decrease a small reduction in the price of that good is also going to cause an infinite an undefined uh, yes uh, amount of quantity demand so that's exactly what happens then when you got perfectly elastic demand then it means whatever percentage change in price is not going to affect demand right it means we're going to be having a a, a a a vertical sloping a vertical sloping demand curve that implies that a, the same quantity of a good is going to be demanded at any price. Yes, at any price. 
yes whether you increase or you reduce uh, the price of the go of the good demand is going to remain the same so that means that we're going to be having a vertical sloping demand curve right then the other the other section so in that case when we would perfectly last perfectly inelastic it means our the coefficient of elasticity is going to be equal to zero that's exactly what it means it's going to be equal to zero right then if our demand curve is going to be unitary then you are going to be having a convex to the origin demand curve yes that's exactly what it means we're going to be having a demand curve that's sloping and uh, the shape of that demand curve is going to be um, a nice convex to the origin demand curve that's when we're going to be having unitary elastic or unitary elasticity in such a case we are saying the percentage change in price is going to be equal to the percentage change in quantity demanded let that be understood so our task now we must be able to uh, be able to calculate um, a elasticity of demand for any price change we must be able to find a, a, the responsiveness of quantity demanded then we must be able to evaluate whether the demand is going to be um, perfectly elastic perfectly inelastic unitary elastic relatively elastic or relatively inelastic that's our task right finally what we want to, to be talking about now we want to be, to, to be talking about uh, the relationship between uh, total revenue and elasticity of demand yes total revenue and elasticity of demand so if demand is going to be elastic if demand is going to be elastic when what then that means is just a small change in the price of a good a small change in the price of a good is going to have some very serious implications on the revenue on, on sales of any particular commodity for example if demand is going to be elastic if demand for a good is going to be elastic then it means an, a small increase in the demand in the price of that good is going to have a very very huge implication on uh, on, on the demand for that good right so it means a small increase in demand in, in price is going to negatively affect hugely uh, affect or significantly affect the quantity demand demanded so the implication of that now on revenue is going to be negative so it means a small increase uh, yes in the price of a good whose demand is elastic right whose demand is elastic is going to reduce your total revenue by a significant amount why because if price rises by one percent demand is going to fall by more than one percent and therefore your total revenue or your sales and hence your profits as, as a business are going to be negatively affected the opposite is also true the opposite is also true to say that if you reduce the price of a good of a good whose demand is uh, relatively elastic right demand for that good is going to rise by more than one percent and the moment that happens is that uh, the moment that happens uh, the the total revenue or the total sales and hence the profits of the organization or the business is they are going to rise yes so we have to understand the relationship between uh, the elasticity of demand as well as uh, uh, the elasticity of demand and the total sales or total revenue from uh, the particular commodity let that be understood
Right. So in our uh, previous lecture, we were talking about uh, the relationship between a uh, price elasticity of demand, which is PED, right, and uh, the sales or revenue, as well as the profits of an organization that we, uh, that the organization is going to get to, to get from uh, from that particular good, right. So remember, I said, remember, I said, yes, when the price elasticity of demand is is elastic. A very small change in the price is going to change is going to cause more than proportionate change in uh, the demand and hence uh, profits sales profits as well as uh, total revenue we have to understand that so to say when the price elasticity of demand is elastic a small percentage change a one percent change in price is going to cause more than proportionate change in uh, the quantity demanded so price is also going to be uh, to hugely uh, to significantly change yes so uh, what that means is that if you increase the price of a good whose demand is elastic if just a small increase in price is going to negatively affect quantity demanded is less uh, say revenues and hence profits so it's not wise it's not recommended yes it's not recommended for a business to change yes the price yes to change the price Yes, to increase actually to increase the price of a good whose demand is price elastic. Yes, because the moment you increase the price of the good whose demand is price elastic, then that means is that you are going to lose your sales, you are going to lose your revenues, you are going to lose your market share, you are also going to lose your profits. So profits from that commodity is will actually go down the moment you increase the price of that good. So the only price uh, change that you would recommend is obviously to reduce the price of a good whose demand is price elastic. Because if you reduce the price by 1%, quantity demanded sales, revenues and profits are also going to rise by more than 1%. Yes, they are going to be moving in the opposite directions. So the price uh, policy, obviously, in terms of your policing, you would want to reduce the prices of the goods yes whose demand is relatively price elastic because if you reduce the price then demand sales revenues and profits are going to rise by more than the percentage change in the price that's what you are going to do that's exactly what happens there but if the good if the good is going to be price inelastic then that is not going to happen if the good is as good a demand which is price inelastic that is not going to happen Imagine in case you are going to be selling things like uh, necessities like salt. For example, salt. Yes, you are going to be selling salt. Like in Zimbabwe, you can also be selling things like millimeal. Millimeal is a staple food, right? Is our staple food. We cannot do without that. So at whatever price, at whatever price, people are still going to demand almost the same quantities of that good. So whether you reduce or you increase, there is no, don't expect too much response from demand. That is not going to happen. Why boss? It's a necessity. I can even talk about things like uh, electricity. Of course, you know electricity uh, now is good substitutes. People, if you if electricity tariffs or the cost of electricity if it rises, people can actually move away from that, and they are going to be using probably things like gas or firewood, something like like that. But you are going to see that in in some instances, like in urban areas, yes, that is not going to happen. So the cost can go up if you can increase the cost of electricity but people are not going to immediately adjust 
towards the other substitutes. So it means demand for those commodities which are considered necessities. Yes, necessities in contrast to uh, luxuries. Luxuries, obviously, luxuries like uh, demand for pizza, demand for chicken in and stuff like that. Their demand, if you increase the price, people can easily move away. Can move easily move away from those commodities, and you are going to see the businesses uh, that actually sell those commodities they will crumble. But when we it comes to necessities, necessities that is not going to uh, happen. That is not going to happen. I can give you some some more examples like fuel is a necessity, like transport is a necessity. Think uh, think about all those things. Those are necessities. Yes, educational fees. Yes, like uh, uh tertiary fees for education. Education, those are necessities. Yes. Irregardless of the price, people are still going to demand those uh the same quantities, the same quantities for uh, of those commodities. So I am saying the moment you increase the price of a good whose price is inelastic, revenue is going to move in the same direction, it's going to increase. So it means demand is going to increase, revenue is going to increase, and then profits yes are also going to increase. And the opposite is true to say if you reduce the demand the price for a good whose demand is relatively inelastic what's going to happen is that people are still going to demand the same quantities yes they don't they don't they don't they, they don't increase the quantity of salt that they the quantity of sugar the quantity they don't increase they will simply continue uh, demanding the same units and therefore they're now demanding the same units but at a lower price it means your revenue your sales or your sales revenue or your total revenues are going to fall and hence the profits of the organization are also going to decline that is what that means yes right that, lastly what about if we are going to be considering the same relationship between uh elasticity of demand which is bped right uh the quantity demanded yeah, total revenue and profits for a good whose demand is uh is got unitary elastic yes it's got unitary elasticity actually yes then what then that means is that we are saying if demand is a unitary elastic it means a percentage change in price is going to be equal to the percentage in quantity demanded so therefore the coefficient of elasticity is going to be one so what then that means is that if you increase the price of a good whose demand is is a unitary elastic it means the uh demand is also going to fall by the same magnitude by the same size that is exactly what it means a one percentage increase in the price is going to cause a one percentage decrease in the quantity demanded the moment that happens it means there is no change in the in the level of sales and therefore there is no change in the profits profits will remain the same you don't increase market share you don't increase the profitability so there is no net effect on the profitability of the organization if you change the price of a good whose demand is unitary elastic that's exactly what it means so you can like for example if you increase if you reduce the price Probably, uh, if you reduce the price of a good with a demand that is unitary elastic, you are just going to increase your market share. Yes, you are just going to increase your market share, but you overall 
you don't increase your overall sales you don't even increase your overall profitability you don't increase your profitability profitability quantity demanded is going to rise if you reduce the price but you don't increase your profitability profits are going to remain the same that's exactly what it means that's exactly what it means yeah, the con the converse is also true to say if you increase the price of a good whose demand is unitary elastic unit means one yes so it, it means uh a, a one percentage change a one percentage increase in the price is going to call a one percentage decrease in the quantity demanded so therefore your sales are going to fall your profits are also going to uh, but your profits are going to remain the same your profits are going to remain the, they are not going to change so that's the implication so if you are in a business and you want to increase your profits there is no net effect the moment you change the price of a good whose demand is in the elastic don't expect any change in the profitability that's exactly what it means so uh, you are going to see that this concept of elasticity is not only important to the business because the business obviously they need to understand how to strategically price their commodities in a manner that's going to either increase your sales either your market share or your profitability right like i've alluded to if your objective is to increase the market share if the if your objective is to increase the market share then obviously you'd want to make sure that you are going to reduce the demand the price of a good whose demand is uh, either either uh, relatively elastic or unitary elastic otherwise you are not going to do that if the demand is uh, inelastic that's number one right but now if you want to uh, increase your profits your profitability you'd want to make sure that you in you reduce the price of a good which is very sensitive to price changes Yes, you want to reduce the price. So, if you reduce the price of a good whose demand is relatively uh, price elastic, that being sensitive, right? That's being very, very sensitive, responsive. It responds very fast to changes the prices. The moment you reduce its price, right? Like we are selling things like uh, necessity, uh, like luxury goods. Yes, goods that are considered luxury in nature. You'd want to make sure that if you reduce the price, if reduce the price demand is going to rise and sales are also going to rise that's your total revenue and therefore your profits are also going to rise faster than the change in the price yes also you can also do the converse yes the converse yes if the good that are selling is price inelastic if the good is price inelastic yes what you're going to do obviously it means you're going to uh you're going to increase its price if you increase the price you know very well that uh, these goods are considered necessities right so um the same quantities are going to be demanded yes the same quantities as before the price increase are going to continue being demanded by your customers because they cannot do without those goods i'm talking about things like probably things like i give i give some examples of necessities like probably talk about things like um rentals or housing yes i can talk about things like transport electricity i can also talk about things like millimil salt sugar yes we still need the same amounts at any level of price 
we still need the same amount we still can uh, uh, consume the same levels yes we don't even, we don't care about the prices because we cannot do without those commodities yes clothing probably yes some some clothing yes they are also considered necessities to some extent yes come on we can be moving around healthcare yes healthcare Yes, the cost of health healthcare, obviously, uh, we cannot do without those things. Those are considered necessities. So necessities, if you increase the price of necessities, the the businesses that offer those commodities are going to be more profitable. Yes, they are going to be more profitable unless otherwise the government comes in to control the prices of those commodities. Tuition fee, right? School fees. Those are necessities. We need those things. We need those things. There are prices for those commodities. So the moment if government doesn't control, the businesses that offer goods which are considered necessities can make a killing, can make huge profits by just increasing the prices. Why? Because demand is not going to, 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 to slow down. Demand is not going to fall. Demand is going to remain on the same level, but at very high prices. It means at the end of the day, the total revenue was what we mean when we say total revenue. We're saying prices, the price of, of a good times the quantity that you'd have sold, right? Yes, price times quantity. So the price per unit times the number of units that you sell. This is what you call total revenue. So total revenue is going to rise because uh, the quantities are going to remain the same, but now at a higher price per unit. It means your total revenue is going to rise. If your total revenue is going to rise, holding other things constant, like things like sales, things like uh, like uh, uh, expenses, then it means your profitability or your profits are going to rise. So that's the pricing strategy. But we also need to understand that government is also going to be interested in the concept of elasticity. Because why? Both government is there obviously government it, it it wants uh to collect taxes yes government also wants to reduce the consumption of some goods right the consumption of some goods probably the consumption of for uh, uh harmful commodities harmful goods like probably you talk about things like that causes negative externalities i'm going to be talking about them negative externalities things that would negative consequences on the uh social being of people of the society Things like smoking, yes, you don't want you don't want people to be smoking too much. Probably pollution, those kind of things. There are negative externalities because they would negative external effects on third parties, on other people who are not directly involved in either consumption of those goods or on the production of those goods. So at times, government wants to control the consumption or the production of those things, even controlling things like imports imports those goods which are being bought from other countries so we want to control those things to reduce them so government is going to be interested in whether those goods are price elastic or price inelastic if the government wants to increase uh, revenue from taxes yes from taxes for example government is also going to be interested in that to say if we increase the tax on that particular good what is the the impact of that is obviously to increase the price if the price is increased then it's going to have a huge bearing on the quantity demanded right so government is going to be interested so much in that concept in the concept of price elasticity of demand right still on uh, on the same concept on the same note we were talking about a, a Price elasticity of demand and uh, government, right? So I was saying 
if the government wants to increase the revenue, right, the revenue from taxes, remember taxes, taxes are, uh, there are many forms of taxes, and one of the taxes that we talk about here is a value-added tax, or you can call it sales tax in other countries. In Zimbabwe, we are no longer having uh, sales tax, we would value edit tax VAT it's actually it's 15% yes not on all goods but on some goods main a lot of goods actually whenever you buy some goods you have to know that 15% of the sales is going to be going to government so if there's too much demand for that commodity which is uh levied which is charged tax so obviously it means a a government will be collecting per every unit of sale 15 cents for every dollar is going to be going to government Yes, of course, we know our the businesses are going to be collecting on behalf of the government, but they are going to remit those taxes to government. Yes, 15%, that is Zimbabwe. In South Africa, I think it's the same, same number, plus or minus 15%. Yes, in uh, Mozambique, in uh, Zambia, yes, the VAT, which is called Value Added Tax, we used to have what we call, what we used to call, we have what we used to call uh, sales tax, but that has been replaced by what we call Value Added Tax. So we are saying... If the government wants to increase revenue, rest. If the government wants to increase revenue, they can just increase the taxes levied on those goods. If they increase the taxes levied on those goods, then it means uh, if they increase, then the demand for that commodity must be priced in inelastic. Yes, I can talk about examples of things like beer. I can also talk about things like uh, cigarettes. I can also talk about things like airtime. Okay. Of course, it's not just about sales tax. It's oh, there's also another tax which was excise tax, excise tax. Yes, excise tax. In some cases, you could call it sin sin tax. Yeah, sin tax. S I N tax. Those kind of things. So excise tax is even levied on things like even um, airtime. Airtime, yes, in Zimbabwe, airtime is actually the government actually levies in in addition to VAT. The government levies a a. Uh, excess tax so in other words in addition to the 15 percent they also charge another probably five percent yes five percent to increase so it means that that is good uh, a huge implication on the price if the price so if you increase the tax it means the uh the that tax burden is going to be passed on to the consumer yes the consumer is the one that's going to pass to 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 pay that so once then that happens then we need to understand the implications on demand. But look, things like airtime, things like beer, things like uh, demand for petrol, the demand is actually inelastic. It doesn't change so much. Yes. So if you increase the price by uh, 5%, demand is, no, is, is going to fall, but it's going to fall by a very, very less magnitude, less than 5%. So it means the revenues... Yes, the revenues that's going to go to the, to the government is the result of that price adjustment is going to rise, right? So things that are addictive in nature, driving is very addictive. Driving is addictive. Then we also know that uh, just calling for airtime, yes, airtime. So 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 demand is actually relatively inelastic. Beer, these are addictive products. Yes, we know our people, you know our brothers, our fathers. Yes, who who drink, they are going to continue drinking regardless of uh, the price level of beer of the castles the lagers and stuff like that so what then that means is that if the price if the demand if the government increases the prices right by just increasing the excess taxes on those goods yes demand is going to remain on almost the same level 
but government is going to collect a lot of money from taxes from those excess taxes yeah, that has to be understood right we can also talk about things like probably government wants to uh, reduce the demand for imports right the demand for imports like we, we i define what imports are obviously these are the goods that are being bought from other countries yes by residents right by domestic residents people who are in zimbabwe yes yes so what then that means is that if the demand if the government wants to reduce those imports because a lot of imports means people are spending a lot of money on foreign goods they should spend on local goods so that we create employment in Zimbabwe. Yes, we create employment in Zimbabwe. And obviously, we preserve our capital rather than just letting our money, I mean, getting out of out of country. We want to make sure that we, we preserve our monies and our monies are going to be used locally. Money is going to be circulating within Zimbabwe. It's going to create a lot of employment in Zimbabwe, creating a lot of job opportunities for our local people. So government is not going to be interested. It's going to be. It's not going to 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 to, to love it. Seeing people demanding so much imports, like we have seen uh, in Zimbabwe over the past years, people have been buying a lot of cars from outside, a lot of uh, clothing and tex textile, um, uh, footwear, commodities from outside, even groceries from South Africa. People have been buying groceries from South Africa. These have actually led to the collapse of the domestic industry. So, if the government is wanting to 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 protect uh, the domestic industry from collapse, government can actually uh, put in place some policies that will limit or that will prohibit, yes, or that will reduce the demand for imports, the influx of imports. But that can only happen. That can only happen if we control our borders to make sure that they are no longer porous. Our borders are no longer porous. Number one, number two, for all the commodities whose demand, for all the commodities whose demand are price elastic, we can increase the import duties. A duty is actually a tax that is levied on a good that is being imported. We can increase those duties. Yes, we can increase those those duties to make it to make it expensive for people to import. So. If demand is elastic, it means people are going to demand less of those commodities. Yes. If people are going to continue demanding more of those commodities, then what does it mean? It means when they come here, they're going to be coming into the country, but at a very high price. Yes. If they're going to be coming at a high price, if the price elastic, it means people are not going, people are going to shun. They're not going to be demanding those commodities. That's exactly what it means. But if demand is, is inelastic, the government can actually increase the excess duties Yes, yes, they are going to increase the excess duties. Once they increase the excess duties, demand is going to remain the same and government is going to collect a lot of money from those imports. That's exactly what it means. Right, let's uh, let's come back again to the same concept of price elastic demand uh, yes, and uh, devaluation. Right, so uh, we want to talk about Zimbabwe, right? So remember I talked about, I said, uh, Devaluation is actually a concept that is used by the government obviously to reduce the price of its currency, the value, the external value of its currency. The moment I talk about the external value of its currency, I'm referring to exchange rate. So if we reduce the exchange rate, right, if we reduce the exchange rate for a currency to say uh, Zimbabwean dollar was trading at 1 is to 80, 1 US dollar was buying 80 Zimbabwean dollars. Now the same US dollar is now buying more than 80, like for example 100 US dollars, 100 Zimbabwean dollars. It means our our the value of our currency would have gone down. That is what we call devaluation. 
Yes, if the exchange rate is actually being managed by the government, that's, that is a fixed exchange rate system. But it's freely floating. We call that depreciation. We call that depreciation, which is actually different from uh, what you guys learn, what you guys, you guys understand from the accounting perspective. From accounting, from accounting perspective, we know that depreciation is the loss of value of an asset due to use a fraction of time, obsolescence of just other, you know, other causes of depreciation. Those things that actually cause the uh, an asset to lose value over time. But in economics, when we talk about depreciation, we are referring to the loss of value of an asset, of the loss of value of of um, of, of a currency against other internationally traded currencies, right? Yes, that's a very good example that I've given you to say we use one US dollar used to buy 80 US 80 Zimbabwean dollars, but now it's now buying more than 80 Zimbabwean dollars. It means the currency would have depreciated. That is, if we if the exchange is actually determined by market forces of demand and supply, by market forces, if there's no government hand. But if it is controlled, if the exchange rate is controlled by government and government deliberately reduced the value of its currency, then we call it a devaluation. You should understand the concepts. Yes. In terms of movement of the currency, devaluation and, de and depreciation, they are the same. Why? Because we are just reducing the value of the currency. But in terms of uh, management of, uh, of the currency, yes, if government is the one that's controlling, yes, that is telling the price, then obviously we are talking about devaluation. But if the market forces of demand and supply are the one that are detecting, then we are talking about depreciation. But the overall concept, the overall movement in the value of the currency is just the same. Let that be understood. So I said, if the currency is um, is devalued, right? Devaluation is supposed to correct the balance of payment disequilibria. That's exactly devaluation is supposed to correct the balance of payment disequilibria. But that can only happen if demand for exports and demand for imports, uh, their sum, if their sum. Uh, if, the, if the sum for for the elasticity elasticities of demand for imports and exports are more than one, then we are having um, a by devaluation. Yes, correcting the balance of payment a disequilibria. Yes, that is to say, if the Marshall Lina criterion holds, remember Marshall was a person, he was an economist, and Lina was a was a, so they brought about that concept to say, as long as that condition is holding then we are going to be having what devaluation devaluation correcting um a, a balance of payment disequilibria right so so let's consider the nature of uh, let's say let's say one like in zimbabwe right now we are in a very very huge deficit why because we are importing more than we're exporting we know we import a lot of fuel we load import we import a lot of healthcare products we 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 import a lot of uh, electricity Everything that we have in Zimbabwe, even toothpicks. You can imagine in Zimbabwe, we even import toothpicks, right? So those kind of things, groceries, people are actually buying from outside Zimbabwe. Yeah, why? Because our business, our firms in Zimbabwe is, they, 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 I mean, they're, they're down. Yes, they, they are down. We import so much than we export. So it means we're in a very, very huge balance of payment deficit. So if the government wants to correct that, then obviously they are going to think about devaluation. We have to reduce the value of our currency. Yes, but look, look, let's understand the nature of our imports and the nature of our exports, right? What is that we export? We export things like minerals, right? Our gold, probably our diamond, a little bit of that, our platinum. Yes, those are, we export just a little bit, just very few goods which are demanded in fixed quantities. Yes, China, for example, they demand our gold, they demand our platinum in fixed quantities. 
You understand? The demand was still, if ever we're still producing still in fixed quantities. So our the demand for imports, it means at whatever price, these guys are going to continue demanding the same units. We 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 sell cotton. If ever we're still selling cotton, we I mean we export, yes. We we go tobacco, we export tobacco, but in fixed quantities. You see now, that's the problem that we have. So it means the demand for our exports, because of the nature of the goods that we actually sell, these are raw extractive commodities that we sell. So the nature of our commodities are such that uh, they are demanded in fixed quantities at whatever price. So it means that demand yes, is actually price inelastic. It's a price, a price inelastic. Even if we reduce the value of our currency, we're just going to lose out. Why? Because our revenue from them are just going to... Why? Because the countries that demand our goods, they don't buy the price. They buy the quantities. Right? Let's talk about our, our imports. Our imports are also... Most of our imports are actually... Are actually most of our imports are actually price in, in elastic. They are also price in, in, in elastic. Why? Because there are necessities. We need food. There is no food production in Zimbabwe. We need electricity. We don't, we don't produce electricity in Zimbabwe. We need fuel. In Zimbabwe. So these are the kind of goods that are actually import from other countries. So because of that nature that we import usually uh, a, a, what call it uh, necessities. It means the demand for those things for those imports is also what price inelastic. So it means look on both sides our exports are, are, are price inelastic. Our imports are also price inelastic. Therefore, the Marshall Linear criterion is not holding. Yes, because if the demand, if the if the demand is price in inelastic, it means the, the 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 elasticity coefficient is going to be less than one. It's going to be negative. That's the, that's exactly what it means. Yes, that's exactly exactly what it means. So we got a less than one a elasticity coefficient for imports and a less than one elasticity coefficient of exports. So their sum can never be more than one. So whatever we do, even if we reduce the price elasticity, if we even if we reduce um, the value of our currency, yes, against other currencies, that is not going to solve our balance of payment problem. That is never going to solve our balance of payment problem. You see now. So unless we change the nature, yes, especially on the on the export side, on the export side, is if we if we if we beneficiate our goods to make sure that at least our goods are going to be price elastic. Then of course we can have we can have a say we can we can a, a balance of uh, currency devaluation can actually help to solve our problem. But as it is now, because of the, of the nature of the imports that we buy, and as well as uh, the nature of the exports uh, that we sell, there is no way we can um, use devaluation as a, a as a policy option to solve our balance of payment problem. Let that be understood. Right. Let's uh, let's come back again to the same concept of uh, price elasticity of demand, uh, yes, and uh, devaluation. Right. So uh, we want to talk about Zimbabwe. Right. So remember, I talked about. I said uh, devaluation is actually a concept that is used by the government, obviously, to reduce the price of its currency, the value, the external value of its currency. The moment I talk about the external value of its currency, I'm referring to exchange rate. So if we reduce the exchange rate, right? If we reduce the exchange rate for a currency to say uh, Zimbabwean dollar was trading one is to eighty, one US dollar was buying eighty Zimbabwean dollars. Now the same US dollar is now buying more than eighty, like for example, one hundred US dollars, one hundred Zimbabwean dollars. It means our 
our the value of our currency would have gone down that is what you call devaluation yes if the exchange rate is actually being managed by the government that's that is a fixed exchange rate system but it's freely floating we call that depreciation we call that depreciation which is actually different from uh, what you guys learn what you guys you guys understand from the accounting perspective from accounting from accounting perspective we know that depreciation is the loss of value of an asset due to use a fraction of time obsolescence of just other you know other causes of depreciation those things that actually cause the uh, an asset to lose value over time but in economics when we talk about depreciation we are referring to the loss of value of an asset of the loss of value of of um, of, of a currency against other internationally traded currencies right Yes, that's a very good example that I've given you to say we use one US dollar used to buy 80 US 80 Zimbabwean dollars, but now it's now buying more than 80 Zimbabwean dollars. It means the currency would have depreciated. That is, if we if the exchange rate is actually determined by market forces of demand and supply, by market forces, if there's no government hand. But if it is controlled, if the exchange rate is controlled by government and government deliberately reduced the value of its currency, then we call it a devaluation. You should understand the concepts, yes. In terms of movement of the currency, devaluation and, de and depreciation, they are the same. Why? Because we are just reducing the value of the currency. But in terms of uh, management of, uh, of the currency, yes, if government is the one that's controlling, yes, that is telling the price, then obviously we are talking about devaluation. But if the market forces of demand and supply are the one that are detecting, then we are talking about depreciation. But the overall concept, the overall movement in the value of the currency is just the same. Let that be understood. So I said, if the currency is um, is devalued, right? Devaluation is supposed to correct the balance of payment disequilibria. That's exactly devaluation is supposed to correct the balance of payment disequilibria. But that can only happen if demand for exports and demand for imports, uh, their sum, their sum, uh, if the if the sum for for the elasticity elasticities of demand for imports and exports are uh, more than one. Then we are having um, a by devaluation. Yes, correcting the balance of payment a disequilibria. Yes, that is to say, if the Marshall Lina criterion holds, remember Marshall was a person, he was an economist, and Lina was a was a. So they brought about that concept to say, as long as that condition is holding, then we are going to be having what devaluation devaluation correcting um, a, a balance of payment disequilibria. Right. So. So let's consider the nature of, uh, let's say, let's say one, like in Zimbabwe right now, we are in a very, very huge deficit. Why? Because we are importing more than we are exporting. We know we import a lot of fuel, we import, we import a lot of healthcare products, we, we, we import a lot of uh, electricity, everything that we have in Zimbabwe, even toothpicks. You can imagine in Zimbabwe, we even import toothpicks, right? So those kind of things, groceries, people are actually buying from outside Zimbabwe. Yeah, why? Because our business, our firms in Zimbabwe is, they, 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 I mean, they're, they're down. Yes, they, they are down. We import so much than we export. So it means we're in a very, very huge balance of payment deficit. So if the government wants to correct that, then obviously they are going to think about devaluation. We have to reduce the value of our currency. Yes. But look, look, let's understand the nature of our imports and the nature of our exports. Right. What is that we export? We export things like minerals, right? Our gold, probably our diamond, a little bit of that, our platinum. Yes. Those are, we export just a little bit, just very few goods which are demanded in fixed quantities. Yes. China, for example, they demand our gold, they demand our platinum in fixed quantities. 
You understand? The demand was still, if ever we're still producing still in fixed quantities. So our the demand for imports, it means at whatever price, these guys are going to continue demanding the same units. We 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 we, we sell cotton. If ever we're still selling cotton, we I mean we export, yes. We we go tobacco, we export tobacco, but in fixed quantities. You see now, that's the problem that we have. So it means the demand for our exports, because of the nature of the goods that we actually sell, these are raw extractive commodities that we sell. So the nature of our commodities are such that uh, they are demanded in fixed quantities at whatever price. So it means that demand yes, is actually price inelastic. It's a price, a price inelastic. Even if we reduce the value of our currency, we're just going to lose out. Why? Because our revenue from them are just going to... Why? Because the countries that demand our goods, they don't buy the price. They buy the quantities. Right? Let's talk about our, our imports. Our imports are also... Most of our imports are actually... actually most of our imports are actually price in, in elastic. They are also price in, in, in elastic. Why? Because there are necessities. We need food. There is no food production in Zimbabwe. We need electricity. We don't, we don't produce electricity in Zimbabwe. We need fuel. In Zimbabwe. So these are the kind of goods that are actually import from other countries. So because of that nature that we import usually uh, a, a, what call it uh, necessities. It means the demand for those things for those imports is also what price inelastic. So it means look on both sides our exports are, are, are price inelastic. Our imports are also price inelastic. Therefore, the Marshall Linear criterion is not holding. Yes, because if the demand if the if the demand is price in inelastic, it means the 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 elasticity coefficient is going to be less than one. It's going to be negative. That's the, that's exactly what it means. Yes, that's exactly exactly what it means. So we got a less than one uh, elasticity coefficient for imports and a less than one elasticity coefficient of exports. So the sum can never be more than one. So whatever we do, even if we reduce the price elasticity of them, if we even if we reduce um, the value of our currency, yes, against other currencies, that is not going to solve our balance of payment problem. That is never going to solve our balance of payment problem. You see now. So unless we change the nature, yes, especially on the on the export side, on the export side, is if we if we if we beneficiate our goods to make sure that at least our goods are going to be price elastic. Then of course we can have we can have a say we can we can a, a balance of uh, currency devaluation can actually help to solve our problem. But as it is now, because of the, of the nature of the imports that we buy, and as well as uh, the nature of the exports or that we sell, there is no way we can um, use devaluation as a, as a as a policy option to solve our balance of payment problem. Let that be understood. Right. Still on uh, on the same concept, on the same note, we were talking about a, a price elasticity of demand and uh, government. Right. So I was saying, if the government wants to increase the revenue, right, the revenue from taxes. Remember, taxes, taxes are the many forms of taxes. And one of the taxes that we talk about here is a value added tax or you can call it sales tax in other countries in zimbabwe we are no longer having uh, sales tax we would value added tax vat it's actually it's 15 percent yes not on all goods but on some goods main a lot of goods actually whenever you buy some goods you have to know that 15 percent of the sales is going to be going to government 
So if there's too much demand for that commodity, which is uh, levied, which is charged tax, so obviously it means a, a government will be collecting per every unit of sale. 15 cents for every dollar is going to be going to government. Yes, of course, we know that our the businesses are going to be collecting on behalf of the government, but they are going to remit those taxes to government. Yes, 15%, that is Zimbabwe. In South Africa, I think it's the same number, plus or minus 15%. Yes, in uh, Mozambique, in uh, Zambia, yes, the VAT, which is called value-added tax, we used to have what we call, what we used to call, we have what we used to call uh, sales tax, but that has been replaced by what we call value-added tax. So we are saying... If the government wants to increase revenue, rest. If the government wants to increase revenue, they can just increase the taxes levied on those goods. If they increase the taxes levied on those goods, then it means uh, if they increase, then the demand for that commodity must be priced in inelastic. Yes, I can talk about examples of things like beer. I can also talk about things like uh, cigarettes. I can also talk about things like airtime. Okay. Of course, it's not just about sales tax. It's oh, there's also another tax which was excise tax, excise tax. Yes, excise tax. In some cases, you we call it sin sin tax. Yeah, sin tax. S i n tax. Those kind of things. So excise tax is even levied on things like even um, airtime. Airtime yes, in Zimbabwe, airtime is actually the government actually levies in in addition to VAT. The government levies a a. Uh, excess tax so in other words in addition to the 15 percent they also charge another probably five percent yes five percent to increase so it means that that is good uh, a huge implication on the price cool if the price so if you increase the tax it means the uh the that tax burden is going to be passed on to the consumer yes the consumer is the one that's going to pass to 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 pay that so once then that happens then we need to understand the implications on demand. But look, things like airtime, things like beer, things like uh, demand for petrol, the demand is actually inelastic. It doesn't change so much. Yes. So if you increase the price by uh, 5%, demand is, no, is, is going to fall, but it's going to fall by a very, very less magnitude, less than 5%. So it means the revenues... Yes, the revenues that's going to go to the, to the government is the result of that price adjustment is going to rise, right? So things that are addictive in nature, driving is very addictive. Driving is addictive. Then we also know that uh, just calling for airtime, yes, airtime. So, so, so demand is actually relatively inelastic. Beer, these are addictive products, yes. We know our people, you know our brothers, our fathers, yes, who, so, who drink. They are going to continue drinking regardless of uh, the price level of beer of the castles the lagers and stuff like that so what then that means is that if the price if the demand if the government increases the prices right by just increasing the excess taxes on those goods yes demand is going to remain on almost the same level but government is going to collect a lot of money from taxes from those excess taxes yeah, that has to be understood Right. We can also talk about things like probably government wants to uh, reduce the demand for imports. Right. The demand for imports. Like we, we I define what imports are. Obviously, these are the goods that are being bought from other countries. Yes. By residents. Right. By domestic residents. People who are in Zimbabwe. Yes. Yes. So what then that means is that if the demand, if the government wants to reduce those imports, 
because a lot of imports means people are spending a lot of money on foreign goods. They should spend on local goods so that we create employment in Zimbabwe. Yes, we create employment in Zimbabwe. And obviously, we preserve our capital rather than just letting man, our money, I mean, getting out of, out of country. We want to make sure that we, we preserve our monies and our monies are going to be used locally. Money is going to be circulating within Zimbabwe. It's going to create a, a lot of employment in Zimbabwe, creating a lot of job opportunities for our local people. So government is not going to be interested. It's going to be. It's not going to 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 to, to love it. Seeing people demanding so much imports, like we have seen uh, in Zimbabwe over the past years, people have been buying a lot of cars from outside, a lot of uh, clothing and tex textile, uh, footwear, commodities from outside, even groceries from South Africa. People have been buying groceries from South Africa. These have actually led to the collapse of the domestic industry. So, if the government is wanting to 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 protect uh, the domestic industry from collapse, government can actually uh, put in place some policies that will limit or that will prohibit, yes, or that will reduce the demand for imports, the influx of imports. But that can only happen. That can only happen if we control our borders to make sure that they are no longer porous. Our borders are no longer porous, number one, number two, for all the commodities whose demand, for all the commodities whose demand are price elastic, we can increase the import duties. A duty is actually a tax that is levied on a good that is being imported. We can increase those duties. Yes, we can increase those, those duties to make, it, to make it expensive for people to import. So... If demand is elastic, it means people are going to demand less of those commodities. Yes. If people are going to continue demanding more of those commodities, then what does it mean? It means when they come here, they're going to be coming into the country, but at a very high price. Yes. If they're going to be coming at a high price, if the price elastic, it means people are not going, people are going to shun. They're not going to be demanding those commodities. That's exactly what it means. But if demand is, is inelastic, the government can actually increase the excess duties Yes, yes, they are going to increase the excess duties. Once they increase the excess duties, demand is going to remain the same and government is going to collect a lot of money from those imports. That's exactly what it means. Right, so uh, broadly speaking to the government again, apart from just taxes, collecting money from taxes, either excess taxes or things like uh, uh, import duties, government can also be interested in controlling some balance of payments, balance of payments disequilibria balance of payment disequilibrium when you talk about balance of payment here what but an account that records the international transactions of a country right yes with the rest of the world yes i'm talking about imports and exports so the, that account which records the international transactions between a country right and the rest of the world is called a balance of payment so the balance of payment is going to be recording exports and imports of goods services and capital yes good services and capital so that's our balance of payment so the differences between uh exports and imports is going to give us um a, if our exports are going to be more than our imports which is something that, that is favorable that's something that, that is ideal it's something that is plausible it's something that is good would want to to have more exports than imports yes every country every government would want to have uh, its country is selling more goods 
to the rest of the world than it imports from the rest of the world. So whenever our exports are more than our imports, remember our exports these are the goods that will actually sell to other countries. So if our exports are more than our imports, it means we got what you call a surplus on the balance of payment. We got a surplus on the balance of, pay, of, of payment. And the opposite is true. We, yes, if we got more imports than our exports, then we got what you call a deficit. We are in the negative zone. And that is not good. That is not good. Why? Because it means we are actually importing more. We are buying more goods from other countries than we are selling to them. And that is got negative consequences in the long run, yes, to a country. So that is not ideal. That is not plausible. That is not what the government wants. The government wants to be selling more goods than it is importing. Yes. So we, if the government wants to correct that disequilibria, then government can actually institute what you call devaluation of a currency. Devaluation of a currency. Currency devaluation. But remember, you should understand that the concept of devaluation is only applicable if the value of a currency, like the value of, a, of our currency, which is a Zimbabwean dollar, yes, vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the United States dollar or vis-a-vis -vis the South African rand. If we reduce if we deliberately reduce the value of our currency, yes, if we deliberately reduce the value of our currency, if the exchange rate of the Zimbabwean dollar is going to be depreciated, is going to be devalued by the government, right? For example, right now, our dollar, our Zimbabwean dollar is exchanging, one US dollar is exchanging for 80, for 80 Zimbabwean dollars, right? But if the same one US dollar, the government is going to say, let's now exchange the same one US dollar with 100 uh, or 200 Zimbabwean uh, dollars. It means we would have reduced the value of our currency. Once that happens, if we reduce the value of our currency, then it means the cost of financing imports, right, will become very, very huge, very expensive. It becomes expensive for people to import, right? Why? Because they would want a lot of their local currencies, a lot of their Zim dollars to convert just to get a single rand or a single dollar. And that's very, very expensive. So devaluation increases the cost of imports, right? Yes. And at the same time, if, if we devalue our currency, then it means it becomes very, very, very cheap for people outside Zimbabwe to buy, yes, our goods, our exports. Yes, why boys they just need a little, just a few of their dollars, a few of their runs. Yes, just convert for them to be able to purchase yes, our our goods. That's exactly what it means. So you should understand that a a devaluation is going to uh is going to be beneficial. Be devaluation is going to be beneficial to a country as long as the demand, the sum of the price elasticity of demand for imports plus the price elasticity of demand for exports is greater greater than one yes so so uh, that's what would actually in economics is called the marshall linear criterion if that marshall linear criterion is holding if the sum of the price elasticity of demand for imports and exports is more than one we are going to say any devaluation by government is going to be profitable is going to be profitable so that's what we need to understand. So we are saying our imports must be price elastic and our exports must be must, must be price elastic as well. 
for devaluation to be profitable, to be beneficial to a country. Let that be understood. Right. Let's uh, let's come back again to the same concept of press elastic demand. Uh, yes. And uh, devaluation. Right. So uh, we want to talk about Zimbabwe. Right. So remember I talked about, I said uh, devaluation is actually a concept that is used by the government obviously to reduce the price of its currency, the value, the external value of its currency. The moment I talk about the external value of its currency, I'm referring to exchange rate. So if we reduce the exchange rate, Right. If we reduce the exchange rate for a currency to say uh, Zimbabwean dollar was trading one is to eighty, one US dollar was buying eighty Zimbabwean dollars. Now the same US dollar is now buying more than eighty, like for example one hundred US dollars, one hundred Zimbabwean dollars. It means our our the value of our currency would have gone down. That is what we call devaluation. Yes, if the exchange rate is actually being managed by the government, that's that is a fixed exchange rate system. But it's freely floating. We call that depreciation. We call that depreciation, which is actually different from uh, what you guys learn, what you guys you guys understand from the accounting perspective. From accounting, from accounting perspective, we know that depreciation is the loss of value of an asset due to use a fraction of time, obsolescence of just other, you know, other causes of depreciation. Those things that actually cause the uh, an asset to lose value over time. But in economics, when we talk about depreciation, we are referring to the loss of value of an asset, of the loss of value of, 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 of a currency against other internationally traded currencies. Right. Yes. That's a very good example that I've given you to say we use one US dollar used to buy 80 US, 80 Zimbabwean dollars, but now it's now buying more than 80 Zimbabwean dollars. It means the currency would have depreciated. That is, if we, if the exchange is actually determined by market forces of demand and supply, by market forces, if there's no government hand. But if it is controlled, if the exchange rate is controlled by government and government deliberately reduces the value of its currency, then we call it a devaluation. You should understand the concepts. Yes. In terms of movement of the currency, devaluation and, de and depreciation, they are the same. Why? Because we are just reducing the value of the currency. But in terms of uh, management of, uh, of the currency, yes, if government is the one that's controlling, yes, that is telling the price, then obviously we are talking about devaluation. But if the market forces of demand and supply are the one that are detecting, then we are talking about depreciation. But the overall concept, the overall movement in the value of the currency is just the same. Let that be understood. So I said, if the currency is um, is devalued, right? Devaluation is supposed to correct the balance of payment disequilibria. That's exactly devaluation is supposed to correct the balance of payment disequilibria. But that can only happen if demand for exports and demand for imports, uh, there are some. If there are some. Uh, if, the, if the sum for for the elasticity elasticities of demand for imports and exports are uh, more than one. Then we are having um, a by devaluation, yes, correcting the balance of payment disequilibria. Yes, that is to say, if the Marshall Lina criterion was remember, Marshall was a person, he was an economist, and Lina was a was a so they brought about that concept to say, as long as that condition is holding, then we are going to be having what devaluation, devaluation correcting um, a, a balance of payment disequilibria, right? So so let's consider the nature of uh, let's say let's say one like in Zimbabwe right now we are in a very very huge deficit why because we are importing more than we're exporting we know we import a lot of fuel we load import we import a lot of healthcare products we 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 import a lot of uh, electricity 
everything that we have in Zimbabwe, even toothpicks. You can imagine in Zimbabwe, we even import toothpicks, right? So those kind of things, groceries, people are actually buying from outside Zimbabwe. Yeah, why? Because our business, our firms in Zimbabwe is, they, 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 I mean, they're, they're down. Yes, they, they are down. We import so much than we export. So it means we're in a very, very huge balance of payment deficit. So if the government wants to correct that, then obviously they are going to think about devaluation. We have to reduce the value of our currency. Yes. But look, look, let's understand the nature of our imports and the nature of our exports. Right. What is that we export? We export things like minerals, right? Our gold, probably our diamond, a little bit of that, our platinum. Yes. Those we export just a little bit, just very few goods which are demanded in fixed quantities. Yes. China, for example, they demand of our gold, they demand our platinum in fixed quantities. You understand? They demand our steel, if ever we're still producing steel, in fixed quantities. So our the demand for imports, it means at whatever price, these guys are going to continue demanding the same units. We, 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 we sell cotton. If ever we're still selling cotton, we, I mean, we export, yes. We, we go tobacco, we export tobacco, but in fixed quantities. You see now, that's the problem that we have. So it means the demand for our exports, because of the nature of the goods that we actually sell, these are raw extractive commodities that we sell. So the nature of our commodities are such that uh, they are demanded in fixed quantities at whatever price. So it means that demand yes, is actually price inelastic. It's a price, a price inelastic. Even if we reduce the value of our currency, we're just going to lose out. Why? Because our revenue from them are just going to... Why? Because the countries that demand our goods, they don't buy the price. They buy the quantities. Right? Let's talk about our, our imports. Our imports are also... Most of our imports are actually... actually most of our imports are actually priced in elastic. They are also priced in elastic. Why? Because there are necessities. We need food. There is no food production in Zimbabwe. We need electricity. We don't, we don't produce electricity in Zimbabwe. We need fuel. In Zimbabwe. So these are the kind of goods that are actually import from other countries. So because of that nature that we import hugely uh, um, uh, what call it uh, uh, necessities it means the demand for those things, for those imports is also what price inelastic. So it means look on both sides our exports are, are, are price inelastic our imports are also price inelastic therefore the martial linear criterion is not holding yes because if the demand if the if the demand is price inelastic it means the, the 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 elasticity coefficient is going to be less than 1 it's going to be negative that's the, that's exactly what it means yes that's exactly, exactly what it means. So we got a less than one uh, elasticity coefficient for imports and a less than one elasticity coefficient of exports. So the sum can never be more than one. So whatever we do, even if we reduce the price elasticity of them, if we even if we reduce um, the value of our currency, yes, against other currencies, that is not going to solve our balance of payment problem. That is never going to solve our balance of payment problem. You see now, so unless we change the nature, yes, especially on the on the export side, on the export side, is if we if we if we beneficiate our goods to make sure that at least our goods are going to be price elastic, then of course we can have we can have a say we can we can a, a balance of uh, currency devaluation can actually help to solve our problem. But as it is now, because of the of the nature of the imports that we buy, and as well as uh, the nature of the exports. Or that we sell, there is no way we can um, use devaluation as a, a as a policy 
option to solve our balance of payment problem. Let that be understood. Right. Now, let me talk about a related concept, which is also very important, the income elasticity of demand. And I remember I explained what it is. Just to make a recap, elasticity, uh, income elasticity of demand refers to the responsiveness or sensitivity of demand to changes in incomes. Yes. So what is changing here? It is income. It is, it is, uh, it is demand. Yes, it is demand. It's, it is changing. Yes, in response to changes in what? In response to changes in, uh, in incomes. Right. So the income elasticity, elasticity of demand, which is called YED, Y for income, income elasticity of demand is going to be either elastic or, um, uh, or inelastic. Yes, that has to be understood. So basically, in terms of that, in terms of we are going to be relating goods, goods like uh, uh, normal goods and inferior goods. Right, normal goods are goods whose demand increases as income increases. These are what you call normal goods. We have to understand. Yes, normal goods are goods whose demand increases as income increases, and the opposite is true for what you call inferior goods. Inferior goods are goods whose demand reduces, whose demand falls as long as income increases. They are called inferior goods. Right. So, obviously, as a business, you are also going to be interested in knowing whether you are selling normal or inferior goods. Yes. But remember, a normal good somebody can be an inferior good to the other. For example, I can talk about things like bread. Right. The moment your income, for example, if you start earning more, earning more money, right, it means probably you are going to move away from eating bread. You want to eat something else. But some other people who are coming from very low income brackets, who are coming from uh, uh, those rural areas where, obviously, eating bread is something that they are a memorable event obviously so to speak so it means um to them to them it would be an enormous good to them you understand yes but some other people that would be inferior to say when you, their incomes rises they are going to demand less of bread right that's exactly what it means so it's not always uh, true to say uh, we can explicitly and conclusively say a certain commodity is actually inferior or normal but uh, it's, it's just about to say if i'm going to be considering a particular a particular uh, consumer yes a particular consumer if that consumer's increase income increases yes if that consumer's income increases then he starts demanding less of that good less of a particular good then it means uh, uh, the good that i'm referring to in this case would be what would be a normal would be an inferior good you understand that's exactly what 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 happens then the opposite is also true for what you call inferior goods like i've alluded to say inferior goods obviously are goods whose demand reduces as their incomes increases they are moving in opposite direction so so elastic income elasticity of demand will be negative in that case but for normal goods the income elasticity of demand will be positive yes so the relationship between demand and incomes for normal goods will be positive We'll be having an upward sloping uh, curve, but uh, for inferior goods, it will be a downward. The relationship between incomes and demand, yes, for a particular good, for a good whose demand is inferior, will be downward sloping. You understand? We're talking about incomes, yes, on the y-axis and demand on the x-axis. So that will be a downward sloping curve. That must be understood. Yes, that must be understood. In terms of formula, we said the income elasticity of demand is measured by the percentage change in demand divided by the percentage change in price. Yes, the percentage change in what? In, in income. 
yes income in this case is the one that is actually changing so that's exactly the formula how do you find the percent change in demand we talked about it percent change in demand is equals to change in demand divided by the original or the original level of demand is times 100 and how do you calculate the percent change in income it is the change in income right which is the, that change in income is divided by the original levels of income before the changes that's exactly times 100 over 1. That's how we calculate that. So income industry of demand is going to be positive or negative. So as a business, you're also going to be interested in knowing whether your goods have got um, uh, are inferior or are normal goods. So that you know how to price them. You understand. Yes, you are going to be relating them now to the price elasticity of demand. You have to check your target market. See, our, my, my target market probably I'm, I'm targeting... Um, uh, the farmers okay i'm targeting the farmers i'm selling some goods in these goods i'm selling to farmers right then you want to see the changes in the incomes of people or farmers so if you understand that probably because there's a good harvest and the incomes of farmers have gone have gone up then obviously you'd want to know whether the goods that are selling to them are inferior or are normal goods if you know that these guys are you are selling normal goods to them then you know very much that you are going to be having what some very i mean your profit your profits are going to rise because demand for their for your goods are definitely going to rise but if you know that you are selling inferior goods and you are seeing the incomes of farmers are rising then it means you have to change your business because it means the demand for for business is for your goods is definitely going to fall it's definitely going to fall you don't want to be selling to be selling goods whose demand i mean whose good demand is going to fall is income rise you don't want that so that's exactly what I have. If you see, say, probably your target market, you are selling some goods to teachers, probably to teachers, and you know that the salaries of teachers are rising. You need to understand the nature, the type of the goods that are selling. Are they inferior to teachers or they are normal to teachers? You understand? Yes, you have to understand that. So, just like in a country, overall, in a country, if you see uh, in a country that the incomes, the overall incomes are actually rising, or probably are exporting goods, you need to understand uh, uh, what, what's happening on average to the incomes in the global village. What's happening? If the incomes are rising and you know very much that on average you are selling normal goods, then you know very much you are going to be smiling. To say, okay, my goods, yes, I'm selling normal goods, goods whose demand increases as income increases, and I'm seeing the average world income rising. So it means you are going to be more profitable. And the opposite is true for inferior goods. For inferior goods, you know very much that if the overall income of your target market or probably of your whatever think about uh, probably uh, you are selling to to the international world you are exporting and you know very much that probably the incomes in the the average income in the global village is actually rising and you are selling inferior goods then you know very much that you are you are going to be in, in trouble you would want to make sure that you shift away from those goods and you sell goods whose demand increases as income increases that's exactly what it means. That's how the concept of income elasticity of demand is going to be very important, not only to, to the business people, but also what to, to the government. Yes, you have to understand those concepts. Right. Uh, we also want to be talking about the cross elasticity of demand. Yes, cross elasticity of demand. So in this case, on the cross elasticity of demand, when we talk about crossing, what about the, the relationship between two goods? Yes, two goods, good, good A and good B. For example, uh, goods can be related or can be unrelated. Okay, so if goods are related, obviously we're going to be talking about uh, uh, goods which which are either substitutes or their complements. Okay, 
Yes, goods can be substitutes or they're condiments. Examples of substitutes, we talk, we talked about we give, I give an examples of for beef and pork. Yes, they are substitutes. Probably you can talk about uh, margarine and uh, jam or probably margarine and peanut butter. Those are substitute goods. Or probably you can talk, you can talk, talk about potatoes and salsa. Those are substitute uh, goods. Yes. So we need to understand that obviously when we're, when we're going to be pricing, when, when as a business, obviously you want to understand Yes, how I many substitutes and how I many complementary goods are you are having, you are selling? Because as a business person, what you want at the end of the day, you want to increase market share, you want to increase your sales, you want to increase your profitability, your, your profits. Yes. So now, uh, what then that means is that if you are going to be selling goods which are uh, substitutes, it means uh, substitute goods are goods whose when, for example, if good X and good Y are substitutes, or probably I can talk about beef and pork, if the price of beef increases, if the price of beef increases, it means people are going to move away from beef and are going to move into pork. So it means the demand for pork will increase. So an increase in the price of beef will increase the demand for pork. So it means these things are moving in the same directions. It means the cross elasticity of demand for, for substitute goods is positive. Why? Because the, the price of one good is moving in the same direction as the demand for the other good. I hope you understand this. An increase in the price of beef is going to reduce the demand for beef. So therefore, it's going to, people are going to move to pork. So demand for pork is going to increase. So an increase in the price of beef increases the demand for pork. So it means they are moving in the same uh, uh, direction. Yes, the price of good X and demand for good Y are moving in the same direction. So the moment that happens, it means the cross elasticity of demand is positive. And the opposite is true for goods which are complements, right? Complementary goods are goods which are in joint demand. Complementary goods are goods which are in joint demand. I give examples. Examples that I gave, uh, I talked about, uh, probably talk about rackets and tennis balls. Yes, they are in joint demand. The moment you increase the price of, uh, uh, the moment the demand for, um, a, a, for, for for tennis balls increase it means the demand for uh for rackets will also increase that's exactly what it means these are goods that are in joint demand they are called complements or complementary goods right so in terms of a uh, cross elasticity of demand we say if you increase the price of 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 uh tennis balls right it means a demand for tennis balls for tennis balls will fall one demand for tensible fall, it means the demand for racket fall. So it means the price of one good and the demand for that other good, they are moving in opposite directions. Yes, that's exactly what it means. They are moving in opposite directions. So the moment they move in the opposite direction, it means their cross elasticity of demand is negative. Why? Because they are moving in, the di in different directions. So it means the cross elasticity of demand for complementary goods or for complements is always negative. Let that be understood. So in terms of formula, the cross elasticity of demand, we are saying the percentage change in demand for good X divided by the percentage change in the price of good Y. That's what we, what, what we have. So we are, so, so cross elasticity of demand is, can either be negative or positive or zero. If it is zero, it means the goods that we are talking about in this case, are, they are not even related. That's the reason why we would a cross elasticity of demand that is negative. You understand? Yes, the cross elasticity of demand of negative of of, of 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 the cross elasticity of demand for goods is going to be zero if the goods that we are talking about in this case or the goods that are under discussion is are, are not related. Yes, 
but they are going to be positive as long as what as long as uh, the goods are substitutes and they're going to be negative as long as they are complementary goods let that be understood so you have to be very careful in terms of pricing you have to be very careful in terms of pricing because if you increase if you increase the price of a good which is either a substitute or a complement to the other good it means you are going to affect demand for two goods yes yes let that be understood let that be understood that's about cross elasticity of demand